We're glad you're here with us this morning. My name is Joe. I serve as one of the pastors here at Riverbend. I want to welcome each and every one of you. If you're a first-time guest, I want to extend a special welcome to you. We'd love to connect with you. One of the easiest ways to do that is to fill out a connection card. You can find those in the hallway. You can also find those online. And then we have a gift bag for you as well. So we're so grateful to have you here with us today. And as the video was alluding to, there's a lot of excitement and energy as these college students from Lehigh Valley Crew were on a mission trip. Let's give it up for what God did there. And what's cool about not only our partnership with them, there's hundreds of college students that went to Panama City Beach with the ministry of Crew, not just the Lehigh Valley chapter of Crew. And they went on purpose. They went as sent out by God to do something specific. That is to show and to tell about the hope of Jesus. And so here's an update of what happened there on that retreat. A couple of stats for you. And here's the first slide for us. This is how many gospel conversations they got into collectively, over 1,300. That's awesome. Gospel presentations, 286. And then 60 decisions were made for Christ on this time. Can we just give it up for all that God's doing? Because what we want to celebrate is the fact that we believe that this generation, Generation Z, is not only the church of tomorrow, but the church of today. Amen? And it reminds me, even as I get a glimpse of that, of what's happening here in 2023, it reminds me of a movie I recently saw. And the movie I saw was called Jesus Revolution. How many of you guys have seen this movie? Anybody seen this movie? It's a really good movie. But what this movie talks about is how in the 70s, unlikely people, ordinary people, like Pastor Chuck Smith, and then a guy named Lonnie Frisbee, and then another guy named Greg Laurie, came around who this Jesus is as they were searching and seeking, especially the generation of that time, what we would consider today's generation back then, searching and seeking and trying to make an come up with an answer for the lack of peace that they had in their lives as they were searching and as they were coming to the end of that rope, realizing this disappoints, this doesn't satisfy. And to come after Jesus, and then not only did they encounter Christ, but a whole generation did. It's, it's a true story. It's not just something that was a great uh, movie to tell or a great story to tell. It actually happened. And what I love about it is I believe in our day and age, that God is at work in a very profound way. And I believe he wants to use our generation for such a time as this. And what I love about this movie and even the missions trip that crew went on is you don't have to be elite or special forces Jesus follower to join the mission of Jesus. And that's good news for us all. But if you have put your faith and your trust in Jesus, you're invited in to this incredible adventure that he calls each and every one of us on. This everyday mission that we get to be a part of. And it doesn't matter if you're introverted or extroverted. It doesn't matter if you're great with people or you're awkward with people. It doesn't matter if you have social anxiety or if you light up when you're around people. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are where you've been, if you are in Jesus, you are invited to the greatest story ever told and to let others know of this as well in word and deed. And it's good news that we get to be a part of that. 
And so as we think about that, that leads us to the teaching series that we're currently in called Beg. Say that with me, Beg. Yeah, beg, beg. And, and we're begging for God to move. We're begging for God to work. We're begging for Him to do what only He can do. For Him to show up and show off. We're begging for Him to do so. And we've been doing that all ministry season long. But it also stands for this idea that we wanted to hold out as a leadership to our church that we constantly walk in and are aligned into. And that's the idea that we want to be a church where pe- belonging happens, where people feel like they're connected to one another. And then there's equipping going on. And last week we talked about opportunities that we have, that you have heard even this morning about further equipping so that you can be equipped for the work of the ministry, that together we get to equip one another. And then the last part of this today and in this series is going. That we want to be a church that's on mission. We want to go. We want to go where Jesus has invited us to go. And at the end of Jesus' time on earth, right before he was going to be crucified, he told his disciples these words in John 17, excuse me, in that section of of John 13 through John uh, 20, 21, we, we get to see Jesus say these last words in John 13 through 17. But then after he's resurrected, he says these words in John 20. He says this, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So Jesus, after he was resurrected, these were the words that he gave to his disciples. He says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And he's sending each and every one of us as well. He's sending us to bear witness with our lives about who this Jesus is. Wherever we go, That's where he is sending us. And we want to be aware of the people that are all around us who have yet to put their faith and their trust in Christ. And if you're here today and you're like, I'm not sure what I think about Jesus, we are glad you're here. And we want to welcome you to consider the claims of Christ. And if you are a follower of Jesus, I want you to consider and think about the people in your life, in your circles of influence, who are far from God, who are far from God, who have yet to put their faith and their trust in Christ. And to be a person who prays for them. I was at a conference this Monday, and it was all about sharing the good news of Jesus. And and the conference speaker, one of them said, have you recently cried out to God for the people in your circles of influence and asked for salvation to come in their lives? Have Have you done that? And they started listing out, starting in your home. If you're a grandparent, your your grandchildren, your friends, your family members, your co-workers, all these people. And then he invited everybody to come to the altar and to kneel down and to pray and to cry. It was a beautiful moment. And I started to think about all the people in my life. I started to think about my son, Ray, as I know he's in that stage of seeking to understand the things of God. But I'm praying for him. I'm praying for my nieces and my nephews. And I was calling upon God. Uh, God, and I was calling out to him to save them. And then I think about my other family members who don't know Christ. Then I think about my friends like Z and and Mo. and, And I have a list of people that I'm praying and I'm crying out to God. And when I pray that way, I can't help but see that I'm sent. Because what you pray for is what you end up seeing. In other words, when you start praying, you have eyes to see the opportunities that are all around you. 
the opportunities to be a show-and-tell follower of Christ. Again, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. We have been sent out by our Savior. We have been sent out by our Savior. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've been sent out. You have been sent out. This is good news. This is good news. This is exciting. And so that leads us to this question. Are you living a sent life? Are you living a sent life? Are you living on purpose for the purposes in which you were created for? Because you are on a mission. You were invited in to the mission of Jesus, of showing the world who he is by serving as he served and sharing what he's come to do for all people. Are you living a sent life? Are you living a sent life? Well, as we think about this, as we think about what it is that Jesus would say after he was resurrected, there are a couple other places where he speaks to this very thing after he's resurrected and before he ascends up to heaven. And one of those places is found in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts. And so what I want to do is I actually want to, for us to hear Jesus speak in different places about this idea of being sent out. I want us to understand fully what that means and how we can begin to live this type of life. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open up with me to Acts chapter 1. We'll be here for a little bit, and then we'll get to another portion of Scripture as well. And this is the Dr. Luke writing this. Listen to what it says here in verse 1. It says, But in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And so what was the former book? Does anybody know? Luke, that's the first volume. And Theophilus is a, a wealthy man, it, it seems like. So he's commissioned Luke to record all these different things, the accounts of Jesus, his words and his deeds. And we're grateful for the body of Christ, right? And the different people that make up the body of Christ. And many believe he was already a follower of Christ. Some believe he may have been spiritually seeking. Whatever the, the reason he asked for this, it's a good gift that we get to partake in. Right? And it goes on to say this, until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the what? What's this word here? The kingdom, right? He says, that, Dr. Luke records that as he shown these proofs that he had been resurrected, that he had suffered and he had died, that he was really alive, just as he said he was going to do. He spent 40 days telling them and talking to them about the kingdom of God. And so as we think about even John 13 through 17, we hear so much about this way of life that he invites them into prior to his crucifixion. And then post-resurrection, we still hear him talking about a way of life where we see ourselves as citizens of this kingdom, this kingdom that is not of this world, this kingdom of heaven. And he's inviting us to be a part of that, where his kingdom continues to expand. And as his kingdom expands, it's really about doing it his way, what he was about, what he valued, and how he went about living his life. It's saying, hey, I want the world to experience as much as you can in a broken world the hope and the, the truth that's found in Christ and his way of life. 
And so as you think about this, for 40 days, he speaks to them about the kingdom of God. And I don't want you to miss this because without us understanding what we're praying for and being sent out people, we could miss that all we're talking about is a savior that was crucified, but it's so much more than that. He was resurrected. And we're getting ready to celebrate that on Easter. That actually happened. He's alive. And not only was he resurrected, he talks about something. He talks about a kingdom that's greater than my kingdom or your kingdom. He's talking about the kingdom of God. Well, it goes on to say this. It says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the, what's it? With the Holy Spirit. He says, hey, don't leave. Don't leave till the power comes. Because at this moment in time, they were afraid. They were afraid. They were afraid for their life. They were cowardly in a lot of ways. They had betrayed Jesus. They had said things like, I'm so afraid that I don't believe that he actually is going to resurrect. But now that he is resurrected, they're like, okay, we don't want to keep in this cycle of denying who you are, your power and your might. And Jesus knows that what he's inviting them into cannot happen in their own power. Just like it can't happen in our own power either. We need supernatural power. And so supernatural power comes when we become a follower of Christ and we give the Holy Spirit access to our lives because we're already sealed by the Spirit, but daily saying, Holy Spirit, I want to stay in step with you. I want to bear the fruit of the Spirit. I want to be a person who understands that in order for me to do the work that you've called me to do, I need your activity in my life. And depending on your tradition, you can be afraid of the Holy Spirit. You can look at the Holy Spirit as a boogeyman, maybe, as a ghost. But the Holy Spirit is a gift. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we're meant to embrace who He is and what He has for our lives. And in John 13 through 17, Jesus made it clear again and again that I'm going to send you an advocate, a counselor, a comforter, the one who will convict the world of their sins. That is the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus continues on, and it says the following. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And again, they were thinking in earthly terms. They were thinking about the kingdom of Israel. Establish the kingdom of Israel. Let's take care and eradicate our enemies, the Roman government. Let's deal with them now, please, please. And then it goes on to say this. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. And this is good news for us too, because a lot of times we're paralyzed by things we don't know. We don't know dates and times, but he does. He knows all things. But it says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon them as they're waiting in Jerusalem, we start to see them empowered to go in word and deed to show and share who this Jesus is. And all through Acts, we see that happen. Even in the midst of persecution, the way they endure suffering and difficulty, the way in which they love and serve the people around them that even come against them while still lifting up 
the name of Jesus can only happen by a power that is greater than them. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to be my witness. And when you think about a witness, you're just giving an account to actually what happened, what you experienced, what you liked, and what you didn't like, right? We, we all do this. If you ever wonder what a witness looks like, just go online and look for reviews. People do it all the time, right? They do, right? They, they, they give an account of what happened in their estimation. I, someone will give maybe a one star or a two star or a three star, but if you're lucky, maybe a five star, right? We get these reviews. What are they doing? They're giving an account of their experience. And so Jesus is saying, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to give an account of your experience, who I am and what I have done. And so as you think about that idea, here's a, here's a question for us to think about this morning. What's the last thing you gave a witness about? What's the last thing you gave a witness about? What's the last time you talked about something that was meaningful or impactful to you? Because again, when we give witness, we're only telling what happened, what impacted us. And so as you think about that, has Jesus impacted you? Has Jesus changed you? Is Jesus continuing to change you? Because when he does, and the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, and you walk in the power of the Spirit, you can't help but give a witness to who he is. And the Holy Spirit is what gives us the boldness and the wisdom to know when and to what to share. It's the Holy Spirit that shows us. So again, what's the last thing you gave a witness about? And again, we give a witness, here's this for us to think about, we give witness to that which we find worth in and has worked in our lives. Do we find Jesus worthy? Has he worked in our lives? Is he working in our lives? Is he changing us? Does he give us purpose, significance, meaning, satisfaction? Has he given us what we need in the midst of pain and suffering and tribulations? Has he done what only he can do in our lives? Again, you can't help but give witness to that which you find worth in and what has worked in your life. And we do that all the time. Whether it's a restaurant that we really enjoy, we can't help but talk about it. Whether it's a concert we went to, whether it's a, a sporting event that we watch, whether it's a product that we buy, right? Isn't that why we go to Amazon and look at the reviews? People are giving witness all the time. But what if we change that mindset even about how we approach who Jesus is to us and how we go about telling others? We get to do this by the power of the Spirit, just as these disciples were told to do. We, too, are going to do it, not in our power, not in our might, but by the Spirit of the Lord. We need the Spirit to go to work in us, through us, and around us to see kingdom advancement happen. Well, here's one more reference for us as we think about what Jesus said after he was resurrected to the disciples. It says this in Matthew 28. Starting in verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountains, where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some what? What's the word? But some doubted. And I want to start here in this passage in particular, because I want us to not miss this, that when they came to Jesus, and they saw the proofs of the one who had suffered and was resurrected, they, their response was to worship 
but also some of them still doubted, even after all of this. But I want you to notice that even as you read this, Jesus wasn't repelled by them, whether they came with worship or doubts. And he's not repelled by you either. There's a a book called The Unhurried Life, and he calls this the great communion. Communing with Jesus is the byproduct of us then living out the commission that he calls us to. And so as you think about this, whether you're coming with telling Jesus how worthy he is, how amazing he is, how thankful it is that you are for him, or you're coming with doubts. Like, Jesus, I thought it was going to go this way, and it's going this way. I don't know what you're doing in the midst of my pain and my suffering. I'm disappointed with how this situation turned out. Whatever your doubt is, I want you to know he can handle it. And he welcomes you with both your worships and your doubts. I want you to hear that because this is what they do. They come to him with both. He's not afraid of those things. And I don't want you to be afraid to come to him with both those things. Both the worships and the doubts. Worshiping him and the doubts that you may have. And it goes on to say this. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so what Jesus says to them, he says, in the midst of them worshiping, in the midst of their doubts, he says, hey, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And this is really important because back in that Acts passage, we hear him for 40 days after he had been resurrected, talking to them about the kingdom. And when you think about that, that's really key if we're going to understand who this Jesus is. All authority has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And when you think about this idea of disciple, really it's this idea of apprenticing under the Jesus way. Who he is and what he's done, how he did what he did. His character, his competencies, putting our trust in him, and then helping the people to continue to grow and mature in the ways of Jesus. And oftentimes, there's a word called evangelism, and you may know that terminology, but evangelism is really just telling the good news. Telling the good news to people who don't yet know the good news or have yet to put their faith and trust in Jesus. And then discipleship is to help those who are followers of Christ, those in the sense that often it's used in the terminology of those who have already crossed the line of faith to walk alongside them. Here's what I want you to hear. When we hear Jesus talk about this word disciple, go make disciples, he's using it for both audiences. So basically, if you took a coin, there's what's on the front of the coin? There's what? Heads, and on the back is what? Heads, tails, right? So when we talk about evangelism and discipleship, it's really two sides of the same coin for Jesus. All right, but there's just different audiences. Those who have yet to put their faith in Christ and those who have already put their faith in Christ. I want you not to miss this because this gets confusing. Why would he say, go make disciples to people who are already followers of Christ? That doesn't make sense. (laughs) That's not what he's saying. He's saying you need to do both though. You need to reach people and you need to help people to grow up in me. This is what he's calling us to. And he says again, as you go, you're going to baptize them. You're going to make disciples in the Jesus way. And when you baptize them, 
You're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this shows this new life that they are called to, this identification with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So if you have yet to be baptized, we would love to baptize you. If you're a follower of Christ, we love baptism Sundays. They're so fun. But we would love to do that. So if you're here today and you're like, hey, I'm ready to get baptized, we want to talk with you. We want to follow up with you. You can sign up online for that. But again, I want you not to miss this because then he says, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. And, I, and then he goes on to say, I'm going to be with you always to the end of the earth. And so when we go out and make disciples, we want to teach them everything that he commanded, but teach them to obey. Because obedience is a byproduct of a relationship with one who all authority has been given to. Amen? And so when he calls us to something, it's not to hinder us, it's to experience the way of life that we were created for. Because again, all things belong to him. And he's going to be with us always to the ends of the earth. So as we think about this idea, here's a couple things I want to give to you. The end goal of going is to make disciples who make disciples. So the end goal of going is to make disciples who make disciples. People who come to Jesus and then grow up in the Jesus way and then to help others to do that very same thing. So I want you to think about it with me for a minute. Who were the people instrumental for impacting your life for Jesus? And I want you to think about who they are. Who are some of those people in your mind? It's important because as we think about the significance of what they've played in your life, then we want to do that same thing for others. People who have shared with us who Jesus is, people who have shouldered life with us so that we can walk in the Jesus way. And I can give you a list of people who have done that for me. There are so many people, and I could be up here forever doing so. And I'm grateful for them. I'm grateful for the role that they've played in my life. But that impacts the way I view others around me. I think about it in, in these terms because this is helpful, and that way I don't end up talking for another 45 minutes about the people, right, that have impacted me. I think about it this way. I think about people like Russ Butcher, Mike Lynch, and Roscoe Lilly, who all are church planters, who then have poured their lives into me. They have invested in me, and they've planted churches in different parts of the country. But then that's impacted me in the journey that I have with starting Riverbend, and then I'm working with church planters like Adam Kern at the Vine Church, and my good friend Wilson Tuero here, who's looking to start a Hispanic church to reach the Hispanic community here in the valley. And then they're going to do that for others, not just for church planting, but for disciple-making not to just start church services, but to reach people and make disciples for Jesus. This is good news that we get to be a part. This is the adventure. So who discipled you? Who are you discipling? And who are they discipling? Because the end game is never to stop with us. It's always to move forward with others. It's always to move forward and pouring in to others so they could pour in to others. And sadly, in the American church, it usually stops with us, or the first generation. But around the world, the moves of God that you're seeing are people who experience the freedom that's found in Christ, but don't let it stop with them. But they continue to move forward and helping others to experience it. And then they experience it. It's in the DNA. And I pray it would be in our DNA, because if we're going to be a sent people that are going to see God change things in us, through us, and around us, 
we've got to get back to this. And again, it starts with the people in our influence. So for me, the first person it starts with is my son, Ray. That's the first guy that's on my list. That's, and he's about to turn seven here. So I'm, I'm really like being intentional and prayerful and saying, hey, Jesus, I want my boy to encounter you. But I've got to show him and I've got to tell him. I've got to be intentional with that. But he's not the only one. There's others in my circles of influence as well. But in your own life, what does this look like for you? Who are those people? I want you to start thinking of names, praying for them. Because if it's just somebody out there, that is very difficult to then go and live a sin life. But when we start living intentional, we can't help but see the people he's bringing into our paths. And when we pray for them, then we step into those places. So again, who are five people you will pray for in your circles of influence? And I want to encourage you right now, if you know who they are, go ahead, write them down. Go ahead, pull out your phone, start making a note. I'm not offended at all. Use your phone to do this, whatever you got to do. But I want you to have that list in front of you. I want you to prayerfully, prayerfully think about these people. Because I believe that in order for a move of God to take place, yes, we need to live sin. But part of that is staying connected to Christ. And one of the ways that we do that is by the power of the Spirit within us, but also to be a prayerful people. I do not want you to hear, just go out and share, 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 share. Yes, let's live sin. Yes, but there's a way in which we're intended to do that. Again, not by power, not by might, but by the Spirit of the Lord. So as we think about that, there's a couple things that I want to tell you about as we're looking at this idea of prayer. This last week, we had an opportunity to do some prayer walking. And in case you don't know where that is, it's called Coca-Cola Park. Do you guys know who plays at the Coca-Cola Park by chance? What? Iron Pigs. I heard somebody said that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, Iron Pigs. And what's cool about this is we got to go there and pray with two people from our church who worked there, Andy Gossel and Kevin Whitehead. And we went there with the purpose of praying before the season started, praying that God would move, praying that people would be drawn to himself, praying for those who work there. And so over this next several, several months, we're actually going to take that same idea and do it in different places. So if you say, hey, I want my workplace to be prayed around, and of course we'll honor whatever policies, right? We're not going to just run, roll through there and be like, oh, you know, we're praying. We're, we can do that. You know, we're, we actually want to honor and respect what the guidelines are, where you work at. But we already have places lined up. So the next place that we're doing this is, is actually Chick-fil-A Whitehall. We're going there on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday at 9 a.m., we're going to Michael Thomas Floral, where Kathy Slane works there. And we're going to pray around that facility. We're going to pray around that. And really, the reason I want to do this is because I believe we want the Spirit of God to saturate anywhere and everywhere followers of Christ are and they work. Because we believe one of your main places that you're sent is actually your workplace. And for far too long, the church has separated those two things. But I don't want us to do that because that's not kingdom living. That is not what Jesus came to give us, a segmented life. He came to give us an integrated life in So as we think about prayerfulness and prayer walking, maybe you want to do that in your own neighborhood. Maybe you want to do that in your own way. Great, 
awesome, more power to you. We also wanna make it available if that's something you would like us to do. I would love to be able to do that. And as we're praying, we're also getting ready on, on Monday, there's uh, some the, the, the ball players' uh, wives and, and girlfriends, they're gonna be getting gift bags from Riverbend and other community partners, welcoming them to the Lehigh Valley. And we're praying that God would use that, that his kindness would draw them to himself because it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And as we continue on here, I wanna give you some other pictures of this and some things that we have here. And that guy holding that, that baby's not me. That's my uh, identical twin brother, John, in case you're wondering. Uh, but we, we really believe in the power of prayer. And so as we think about this, here's a couple of other things I wanna say to you this morning as we continue on here is first that we've got this Easter egg hunt that's coming up Saturday, April 1st. And so as we think about prayerfulness, I really want you to be praying for this, but if you're interested in being available to pray with people on this day, I would love to talk with you. We would love to connect with you. We just want to make it available. We don't know if people are going to take advantage of it at an Easter egg hunt, but we want to make it available because you never know what people are going through and experiencing. And we want to encourage you, whether you have kids or not, we're trying to really make this a fun community event, not only for us, but for our local community as well. So we invite you to be a part of that. We would love for you to be a part of it. The other opportunity that I want to mention to you is our Easter gatherings. There's a 9 o'clock one and a 1031. And as was mentioned before, we're going to really have one that's family um, oriented in the sense that all the families will be here together at the 9 o'clock. And then at 1030, we'll have foundations available. But in between there, there's going to be a photo booth, a petting zoo. It's going to be fun. We're going to do that in celebrating who this Jesus is, that he is resurrected, that he is alive. As we even heard before, after he was resurrected, he came to the disciples and said, peace be with you. He shared with them the hope of who he is, the fact that the kingdom of God is advancing and moving forward. And then this idea that too, we want to join him in that, to see this continue forward, that for people to encounter and experience Jesus. So as we continue on here, here's a question for you. Who can you invite with you to the Easter egg hunt and then also Easter Sunday at Riverbend? I want you to just pray for, for those people. Pray for opportunities to share who he is already as God will open those doors, but also to invite them to these strategic opportunities that we have in place. And so as we think about that, as we consider that, and as we look at all that God has done for us, I'm reminded of what Charles Spurgeon, the great pastor and preacher said in the 1800s. Listen to what he said. He says this, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. We don't want people to spend eternity apart from Jesus in a place called hell as mentioned here, but we also don't want people while they walk here on earth to live a hell. We want them to experience how heaven came down, how the kingdom is advancing, how Jesus has made them on purpose and for a purpose. We wanna be a people who are prayerful. We wanna be a people who share and show who this Jesus is. Because it's so tempting to be caught up in a lesser mission. And if you're wondering why your life may be so boring, 
may I just ask you to consider, maybe you're not a part of something that's bigger and greater than something that's lesser. Because Jesus is inviting you to something great. Jesus is inviting you into something that's adventurous. Jesus is inviting you into something, even when it's hard and difficult, when we have our eyes on this, we don't have time to be caught up in things that will pass away. And for too long, too long, we've been asleep. And it's time for the church to rise up. There is no plan B. We are the plan. (laughs) We are his hands. We are his feet. Amen? Let's pray. Father, right now, as we think about this time in your word, Lord, I just pray even for all of us to consider where you're sending us, where we're to go, who it is that you're asking us to go to, Lord. I pray right now, Jesus, that we would be a people who are mindful of the mission that you're inviting us into. Lord, I pray for the people here today, Lord, that we would be empowered, we'd be emboldened, that we would have words to say, that you'd give us wisdom to speak, Lord. And I pray, Jesus, even as we end our time this morning, as we go out in this response time, I pray even that we would be um, mindful, Father, to be prayerful of the people in our past, the circles of influence that you've given us with these five people, God, these five individuals. Lord, I pray that we would go out. I pray that we would live sent lives. I pray that, as Jesus says to his disciples after he was resurrected, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. I pray that we would live out our sentness, that we would bear witness and that we would make disciples who make disciples who make disciples, Jesus. Not by power, not by might, but by the Spirit of the Lord. Jesus, we need you to do this. Holy Spirit, we invite you to invade every part of our lives. We long for your leadership, and we want to stay in step with you. And Father, we pray that whatever may hold us back, whether it's the things that we treasure more than the one that you sent, the one the Holy Spirit tells about, Jesus. We pray that you would help us to lay those treasures down so that we could treasure you, Jesus, above all other treasures. We pray that the, the, the fears that we may have, the anxieties that we may have, the way that we're going to be perceived, that stuff would really dissipate, Father, as we keep our eyes on you, Jesus. That we would know what you say of us and what you have of us and for us, Lord. That our identity is secure in you. And so as Jesus said, we're, we're going to make disciples. And as we do, we're going to do it in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Holy Trinity, we want to dance with you. <laughs> we want to join you in the identity that we have been given and we have received through the finished work of Jesus on our behalf. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.